0: Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I wanna thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. If you got a Bible, pull out your Bible, okay? Uh, If you got some stuff to write down notes, please take some notes today. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. Um, We're gonna look at, there's really three different parts of Matthew 14, and um, if we look at the three different parts together, uh, it will reveal what we're going to talk about today and bring us into some victory. And so we're going to start uh, with the first part, and that's in that's in verse nine. Okay, in verse nine, and uh, in verse and in, in the first part, we're talking about John the Baptist. Okay, and the king has um, a young lady dance for her for him, and based upon her performance, he has granted her one one wish, basically, one desire. And so we pick it up in verse nine. It said, The king grieved because of his oath in front of all of his guests. He had John beheaded in prison, and they brought his head and displayed it to her on a platter, and then she showed it to her mother. Okay, so... John the Baptist has just been murdered for his faith and his trust and for putting Jesus first and so this is a really big deal because Jesus the disciples these are this is a friend of theirs this is a mentor of some of those disciples this is a really really big like crushing heartbreaking moment that their friend has just been murdered and beheaded, and so we find ourselves in that part, and then we quickly jump into verse 15, where Jesus is now dealing with the crowds. Jesus decides, I'm gonna get away, I'm gonna try to get away, but how many of you know the crowds follow Jesus, and because Jesus has a heart for people, he decides to engage them with his love and his grace, And in verse 15, it says this, later that afternoon, the disciples came to Jesus and said, it's gonna be dark soon and the people are hungry, but there's nothing here to eat. This is a desolate place. You should send the crowds away to nearby villages to buy themselves some food. Verse 16, Jesus says this, they don't need to leave. They don't need to go. I'm not done. It's It's not time yet. I want them to stay here. And then he gives them the disciples a commandment. He says, Listen, you give them something to eat. You do it. They're hungry, feed them. Verse 17, they answered, But all we have is five barley loaves and two fish. They're always focused on what is in front of them. It's just, I think, human nature our human nature is always what do we have in front of us and if we have lack in front of us we see through lack if we have abundance in front of us we see through abundance and so jesus is dealing with them verse 18 he says give let me have them the fish and the bread and he had everyone sit down in the grass and he took the five barley loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks. Soon, he broke the bread into pieces, and then he gave it to his disciples. And he turned to, the, and then they turned. They gave it to the crowds. Verse twenty. And everyone ate as much as they were satisfied. The food was multiplied in front of their eyes. They picked up leftovers and filled up twelve baskets full. There was about five thousand men who were fed that day, with additional women and children. Okay, so I want you to see something here. Jesus wanted the disciples to use their authority that he had given them, okay? And here's the deal. You have authority as a believer in Christ Jesus in his name, and he had already given them authority. Back in Matthew chapter 10, we see this. Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted to them what? authority, not their strength, not their grace, but his power, his ability. He imparted them power, authority in his name to do what? To cast out demons, to heal every sickness and every disease. So Jesus has already given them authority. Now in Matthew chapter 14, he just wants them to use it Right, He didn't say send them away. He said, no, 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 I want you to feed them. I want you to use the authority that I've given you in my name and my power and to multiply this for them. But here's the deal. I believe that the disciples were actually stuck in fear because of what just happened to John, right? What happened at the beginning of the chapter sets a precedence for the rest of the chapter, Okay, so at the beginning of the chapter, John has been murdered, John has been beheaded, and I believe that they are now in a state of fear. They're stuck in fear. And when you're in fear, faith doesn't work, right? Right? Faith and fear do not mix. You can't work in the both of those. Joshua chapter one, verse nine says this, for I've commanded you to be strong and courageous, to not be frightened, to not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, there is no fear in love, none. In God's perfect love, there is no fear in his love, but perfect love casts out fear. So I believe the disciples feared, what did they fear? I believe they feared that they were next, right? That they were gonna be the next to be beheaded for their trust, for them trusting the Lord. Remember in chapter 10, Jesus gave them authority. They used their authority, okay? And this is a big deal in Jewish culture in that time. These are Jewish boys. For them to use the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, this was blasphemy in that time. And so I believe that they're stuck in fear. They believe that they're going to be next. And because they're stuck in fear, they were unable to do what Jesus asked them to do. Did you get that? Jesus asked them, hey, you feed them. Giving them full reign, full authority to do what he had asked them to do. But because of fear, it hindered their ability to do what Jesus asked them to do. Okay, so that's the second part. Now, here's the third part, okay? It's Peter, and he walks on water. Verse 22, as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and to go to the other side of the lake. He stayed behind to de- dismiss all the people. I think this is so interesting. Like, Jesus is like, you guys go, I got this. I'll shut off all the lights. I'll make sure everything gets cleaned up. I'll make sure thousands and thousands of people get out of here and, and get home, Okay. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went upon the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone. But the disciples were now in the middle of the lake, okay? And that's important, the middle of the lake. They're they're just too far away to turn back, and they're not close enough to the other side. They're in the middle, okay? And they ran into trouble. And their boat was tossed about with high winds And heavy seas. And about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and they screamed, It's a ghost! Isn't that interesting? They were obsessed with ghosts back then, too, okay? Verse 27 Jesus said, Be brave, do not be afraid. I'm here, I got you. I'm with you. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, have me come join you on the water. Verse 29, come join me, Jesus says. Why does Jesus say come join me? Because Jesus wants us to be close to him. That's his desire. His desire is for us to constantly be close to him. So Peter stepped out of the boat, out into the water, and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he began to be frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand, lifted him up and says, what little faith you have. Why would you let doubt? When? What a great question. Why would you let doubt win? And at that very moment, when they stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased and all the disciples bowed down before him and worshiped Jesus because they were in amazement, in amazement. So point number one today is this. Peter makes a wild request. Peter makes a wild request. He says, Jesus... If it's really you, tell me to come out to you. Tell me to defy all the laws of nature. Tell me to do something I can't do in my own power, in my own strength. Tell me to do something crazy. Tell me to come see you. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the idea of leaving the boat during the storm doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, okay? I mean, has anybody ever been on a boat with high waves before? It's not something that is fun. It is not something that is exciting. It is something that is terrifying. I was on a smaller cruise ship, like, I mean, talking like 15 years ago, And we were in the middle of the ocean and the boat was rocking. I mean, you would like have to walk like this because this is how the boat was moving. And I remember looking at the people on the ship like, are we about to die? You know what I mean? Like, is this about to go down? And he asked him, he says, hey, tell me to come out to you. Now, our natural response in life when when fear hits isn't let me get out of the only thing that's given me the sense of security right now, right? Because that's what the boat was. Regardless, regardless if the boat was getting rocked back and forth or water was coming into the boat, to the boat, it was the one thing they had security in. And Peter makes a wild request and he says, hey, let me come out to you. And the only way I can see this ever happening is because fear was removed out of Peter's heart fear was removed. Remember what Jesus said when he first came to him, right? He said, "Be brave. Be brave. Don't have fear. I want you to know I'm right here with you. I got you. I have you. I'm with you." Peter must have had the fear removed out of his heart. Listen, when, when Jesus speaks, I want you to get this. When Jesus speaks, he releases power, authority, and promise, okay? Power, authority, and promise. So when you're reading the word of God and the word of God comes alive to you, it is the Lord releasing power, authority, and promise to your life, okay? And this is so important to understand. When God said, let there be light, there was what? There was light, When Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk, what happened? The man was healed, he picked up his mat and he walked. Why? Because there was power and authority and a promise sent to them. This is what happens when the word of God gets inside of you. There's power, there's authority, there's promise, you understand, you start looking at life not through a earthly perspective or a human perspective, but you start looking through life through a spiritual perspective where you go, oh, wow, God's with me, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear. His promise is with me, his authority is with me, he's with me in this. Now, what's so interesting to me about this passage is this. Jesus never said to Peter, be brave, don't worry, I'm here, I got you. He said that to everyone on the boat. He didn't just single out Peter. He said it to everyone there. I truly believe that it was just Peter was the one that took his words to heart, right? There's so many times that the word of God is washing over our life But the question is, are we taking it to heart for ourselves? Or is it just kinda coming in and going out, washing in and washing out? I believe Peter took it to heart, and because he took it to heart, it removed the fear out of his heart. And because he didn't have fear, now he makes an extraordinary request, and he says, hey, if it's really you, let me come out to you. And Jesus' response is what? Yes, come to me. Come join me. But here's what I believe. Jesus didn't just intend for Peter to join him. He intended for everyone to join him on the boat. It's just that Peter got rid of the fear. Point number two is this, the heart of God. The heart of God. Jesus wants people to be people of faith that follow him. Can I, can I tell you something today that it is really difficult and really hard to have a relationship with Jesus and to follow Jesus unless you have a life of faith. It just is. And can I also say that If you don't have a life of faith, and if your life isn't moving in faith, I promise you that your relationship with Jesus will become dull, and it will become boring. And when your relationship with Jesus becomes dull, and it becomes boring, you will look for something else outside of Jesus. Because he and his kingdom desires for us to be people that live by faith, he wants people that go. I'm willing to get uncomfortable, right? There's a great pastor. His name's Bill Johnson, and he puts it this way. I heard him say this years and years ago. He said, "You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable as a follower of Jesus." <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody? You know what I mean? He said. Now I wish I wish he didn't say that, right? I wish it was a different saying that he had. But he said, you gotta learn to be uncomfortable. You gotta learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable, following him. And and what's interesting is this, is that when Jesus calls us out of the boat and out onto the water, did you realize that it wasn't a calm, peaceful, sunny, glass water day? It was in the storm. It's dark, hard to see, hard to know what's out in front of you, hard to know what you're facing, hard to know what to feel, hard to understand where to put your foot. The waves are rolling, the wind is blowing, the rain is falling. But there's something really beautiful. It's an expression of real faith when you can trust God in those moments, when you can have faith in those kind of moments when you're like, man, it isn't working out the way I thought it was. Life isn't happening according to the plans that I had. Life isn't falling into perfect alignment. So here's my question to you today. I want you to ask the Lord this. What is one area, just one area of my life that the Holy Spirit is asking me to step out of the boat? How's he asking me to trust him? And the reason he'll ask you to trust him is because he wants to take you on this thing called a faith journey. He wants to engage your faith because when your faith comes alive, your relationship with Jesus comes alive. There's something real about it. There's something so cool that happens because you're going, I'm literally out on the water just trusting Jesus right now. And when he comes through and he makes a way, it just, it engages your faith in such a cool, cool way. Point number three is this. Jesus said, come join me. Come join me. I want you to be where I'm at. Now, how many of you have learned in life that there's so many times in your life that where you're at and where Jesus is at, are two different destinations. They're two different points. You might be following your own path. You might have got distracted in life. This is why the Bible tells us that we're sheep, because sheep wander, sheep stray away. And you can stray away from where Jesus is at. Verse 29, Jesus said this, come join me, come be with me. I want you next to me, a desire for you to be next to me. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. Remember, it's not in his strength. It's not in his ability. This is super huge to learn as a follower of Jesus. There's gonna be seasons and moments that are going to require you to rely on his grace. It's gonna have to be his grace to overcome, right? Maybe you have an addiction in your life, you know? I I, I can't tell you, this will sound so minuscule, but it's such a big deal when I pray with people. When they come to me, they go, I've been smoking for years and years and years. How do I break this? And I'm like, well, we're gonna make a decision that we're gonna quit today. We're just gonna quit today but we're gonna rely on the strength of God. And that means you're gonna have to come daily to his presence, daily to his throne, to find the strength so that you can overcome. Jesus says, I want you to come to me so that you can walk in the water. But it says this, but when he realized how high the waves were, they must have been pretty big waves. Those must have been really big waves he became frightened, and he started to sink. Write this down. You'll sink when fear overtakes your heart. You'll sink when fear overtakes your heart. I think one of the greatest tools of the enemy is Fear when you've been believing for something and you haven't seen the result yet. And fear strikes your heart and you think, did God forget about me? Has God forgotten about his promise to me? Has God forgotten about that dream that he gave me? Has God forgotten? And the enemy will use fear to get us to what? To to take our eyes off of Jesus. Peter never sunk until he took his eyes off of Jesus. He was walking on the water, he's coming right to Jesus. Jesus gave him authority and power to do it. But he sunk when, what happened? He started looking around. Go ahead and put up that picture uh, for me. Um, this is some years ago. Um, this is our middle son, Ben. He looks like a little jack-o'-lantern, doesn't he, with his, with his teeth. Now, I was teaching him how to swim that day. i taught all three of my boys how to swim. And I told each of them when I was teaching them to swim, I told them, the most important thing is this, just keep your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes on me. Because I know the moment that they take their eyes off of me, what's gonna happen? They're gonna look at all the water in front of them. They're gonna look at all the space in between us. They're gonna look to where is the side of the pool, right? What is something that I can grab onto? What's something I can hold onto? But the problem is the side of the pool isn't there. All that's in front of them is water, and if they take their eyes off of me, they're gonna do what? They're gonna sink. So I always told them, just keep your eyes on me and just doggy paddle, right? (laughs) Just paddle. But keep your eyes on me, because if you keep your eyes on me, you won't get fearful, you won't get frightened, you won't be overtaken by fear, you won't sink. Ask yourself, do you remember when you learned how to swim? Do you remember when you learned how to ride a bike? How about when you learned how to drive a car, okay? Anybody learn to drive a car on a stick? I did. Not that driving a car is like easy as it is, but I had to learn to do a stick at the same time. Now here's what I know about all those experiences. There's an element of fear to all of them, right? Learning to swim, you think, well, what happens if I can't swim and I drown, right? You're learning to ride a bike. Now, how many of you know we don't learn to ride a bike on like soft, fluffy snow? (laughs) You know what I mean? All that's around us is concrete. And we know that if we fall, when we get the wobbles, you know what I mean? And we fall, we're gonna hit something hard. It's gonna hurt us, it's gonna bruise us, it's gonna cut us, right? Driving a car, first time you ever drove a car, remember that? When you're driving like four miles per hour, (laughs) okay? Anybody ever been pulled over for going too slow? I have. Right? You're learning. There's an element of fear. But here's what I know about that. You have to learn to overcome the fear. Because if you overcome the fear and you learn, there's a reward on the other side, right? The reward is I can I can ride a bike. Anybody grow up in the generation like I did where There was literally one rule, and the one rule in the summertime was be home by dark. Anybody follow me on that? How many of you know that there's a lot of liberty in that that comment right there? I mean, I could ride my bike to the other side of town. Riding a bike was like having a driver's license almost, until you got a driver's license, and then you're like, wow. I got the reward of this driver's license. I could drive to Florida if I wanted to right now. You push past the fear. You learn to overcome the fear. Why? There was a reward. There was something to look forward to. So you push past the fear. This is what God wants for us. He wants you to learn how to push past the fear to trust him and his plan and the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 6 says this, without faith, without faith living inside of us, it would be impossible to please God. So the only way to please God is faith. He said, you gotta come to me in faith. You gotta trust me in faith. Remember what faith is? It's the evidence of things unseen, right? It's that place in your heart that you're like, okay, I'm not going to listen to the enemy right now. I'm not gonna listen to the diagnosis right now. I'm not going to listen to what that that teacher has spoken over my child right now. I'm not gonna listen to the voice of the enemy right now. I'm not gonna listen to that voice of fear, but I'm gonna choose to have faith. I'm gonna choose to trust my father right now. It doesn't make sense, but I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to operate in faith. It says, for we come to God knowing that He is real. That's a big deal. He's real, God is real, Jesus is real, and that He rewards those with faith who passionately seek after him. You know what I love about this verse? There's no expiration date on it. But too often in our relationship with Jesus, we have our own man-made expiration dates, right? Like we're believing for a child, and the child hasn't come, and your wife hasn't gotten pregnant, and you've been trying, you know, maybe for a year, maybe you've been trying for two years, and the promise hasn't come yet, and then fear strikes our heart, and the expiration date goes, and we go, I, I, I guess that's just not God's will. Will that God give us an expiration date on this verse? Don't have an expiration date on the dreams that God's given you. Don't have an expiration date on the promises that God's given you. Don't have an expiration date on the word of God. It's powerful and it's mighty. And sometimes the Lord is going, I'm, I'm, I'm allowing your faith to grow. Because the day that this happens, the day it comes together, oh my gosh, the joy that'll fill your soul when you see the promise fulfilled. Hold on. Point number four is this, I got you. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up, immediately. Listen, even when your faith fails, and how do I know your faith is gonna fail? Well, you're a human, (laughs) right? You're a human, and as a human, you're gonna have moments of fear, you're going to have moments where your faith isn't engaged. As a human, you're going to have moments that you take your eyes off of Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus and your faith fails, you're going to sink sometimes. How do I know this? Well, I know this because every single person in this room here today, at one point or time in their life, or even in their future, they're going to take their eyes off of Jesus and they're going to sink. Because you're a human. But can I say this? When you sink, the most important thing that you do next is what you grab onto. Because Jesus... It didn't say he allowed Peter to drown a little bit. <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, you of little faith. Because if your faith is so weak, I'm gonna let you drown here for a little bit. I'm gonna let you wallow in, in the water for a little bit. I'm gonna let the waves kind of crash over you a little bit. And then, and then I'll get you. It didn't say that. The Bible said immediately Jesus reaches out grabs his hand and goes, I'm here. I got you. I knew that this was gonna happen. It's okay. I've got your back. I'm with you. Don't fear. Don't freak out. Peter's drowning. But Jesus reaches and pulls him up. Right? He pulls you out. He pulls you out of dysfunction. He pulls you out of failure. He pulls you out of lack of faith. He pulls you up and he pulls you out and he lifts you up. Why does he lift Peter up? So that he could see Jesus again. So that he could get eye to eye with Jesus again. Because as long as he's eye to eye with Jesus, he's good. We're good. As long as we're eye to eye with him. See, when your eyes are locked on Jesus, fear has no power. It has no power. When you're locked on Jesus, faith just wells up inside of you. Psalm 73 verse 26 says my flesh and my heart may fail. See the Bible even knows like we're humans. Our flesh is gonna fail, we're gonna make some mistakes. My heart is gonna fail sometimes. But it says this, but God is my rock and he's the strength of my heart. It's the strength that I can grab onto him. I can grab his hand. Isaiah 41 verse 10 it says, do not fear anything. And I understand the world right now, it's just like report after report of doom and gloom, doom and gloom, and maybe you're facing doom and gloom in your own personal life, and it's just doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. But the Bible says, don't fear it. He said, I'm with you, don't be afraid, for I'm your God, I'm a good God, I got you. Here, here's what I know about God Here's what I know about God. He's a good father. And good fathers, when their kids, when they fail, when their kids sink, when their kids have fear, good fathers do what? They pull them real close next to them. And good fathers go, it's okay, I got you. I'm with you. I'll protect you. You can lean on me. You can lean on my strength, I'll help you, right? Good fathers, God says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Sometimes you are operating in a season of fear as you haven't waited on the lord there's something about just just waiting in his presence and going god i'm here and i love you and i'm here to worship you and in this worship back to you i trust that you're going to renew my strength it says this they'll mount up on eagles wings They'll run, and they won't get weary. They'll walk, and they won't faint. Why? Because the strength of the Lord takes the fear out of them. How many of you know when you're fearful about something, it's hard to do anything? It's hard to get motivated to do anything. It's hard to go through your day. It's hard to go through your week when fear is overtaking your heart. You need what? You need the strength of the Lord to renew your strength. Why don't you stand up this morning? I want you to just, if you would, just raise your hands to heaven and we're gonna wait on the Lord and we're gonna allow him. He's so here in the room right now. Come on, cry out, just like Peter cried out. Lord, save me. Lord, grab me. I've been sinking, God. I've been sinking in fear. Lord, grab my hand. We're going to wait on the Lord, and he's going to renew. Renew.